Hello, my name is Samuel George London, and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book writer Rob Norman about what comics he would take into an asteroid impact apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene, where you can read comic news and become part of a community of fellow comic lovers. To find out more, be sure to visit comicscene.org. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Rob Norman. How's it going? It's going great. How's it going with you, Sam? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, pretty full day of work doing the day job and, and now I'm doing the night job, which is comics, um, which I'm I'm very happy about. Um, how's your day been thus far? It's It's been great. I mean, we're in the middle of our Kickstarter, so this is yeah. now my full-time job. It's my day job, my night job, and then my other night job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, the, the, like once you do the the uh, switch over at two a.m. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for and sure. Talking to all of my European friends. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. Uh, well, great to have you on the podcast. Um, and for those that haven't come across you just yet, what do you do in the world of comics? Right now, I'm launching my first comic, my first graphic novel called Future Favors the Bold. Um, I'm a co-creator of this book, also the writer. Um, we're two issues deep. We launched on Kickstarter two days ago. We were funded within the first three hours. Yeah, After man. 24 hours, awesome. we've doubled our goal. So um, it's a very exciting time. It's a very yeah. stressful time. There's a lot of people who have a lot of questions. So you're spending a lot yeah. of time answering them and um, yeah. still promoting. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. That's fantastic. Um, and uh, yeah, as you say, um, it's uh, it's uh, the future favors the bold on Kickstarter. So folks definitely go search that right now or just click the link in the show notes. But just for to give the listeners a flavor, what's it all about? Ah, uh, good question. So this is a book about utopian futures. So this is set in the very far future where everything has been worked out. There's no greed, there's no poverty, there's no violence of any kind, and everyone seems to get along just fine um, until a bunch of explorers find this planet that was long forgotten. It was it just disappeared off the maps, and uh, this was a prison planet. So this, this is a prison planet that's been missing for about 400 years. And when they come back to it, the planet seems to be really evolved. They have a lot of cool technology, However, they're harboring something that the galaxy is no longer inoculated towards, and that is uncivilized thought. And so it's really a book about six psychopaths ruining a utopian universe as quickly as possible. <laughs> awesome, man. That's a, and it looks like a lot of fun, man. So well done. Oh, um, t- 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 tell us about the rest of the team. Uh, yeah, so I'm, uh, my co-creator is this guy named CJ Camba. He's from Argentina. Um, he's in a bunch of graphic novels that you would know if you spoke Spanish. Um, uh, also, we have um, Ty Templeton, who's another Canadian. Uh, he does the Batman Adventures. He's doing a cover for us. And this other guy named <laughs> Charlie Gillespie, who right. does a bunch of 2000 AD stuff, but mm-hmm. also a weird connection 
growing up, I used to play this card game called Magic the Gathering. And my favorite card was this card called Living Death. And it was wicked for a 12-year-old because it's skeletons burying someone alive. And it was my favorite card. And I grew up and I ended up losing that card and I was heartbroken. So years later, when I'm looking for someone to do the covers, I found this great artist. And then after he started making the book, as he's sending me sketches, I realized he's the dude who drew Living Death. So he he's done two covers for wow. my graphic novel, and he also did my favorite magic card as a kid. That is awesome, man. Full circle. Yeah. Totally. I feel, I feel like it's beyond a full circle. It's like, <laughs> it's gone around the circle twice or something. Um, but uh, no, that's really cool, dude. That's really cool. Um, and uh, obviously, uh, people can find that on uh, on Kickstarter. But where else can people find you online? You can find me um, at Rob the Norman on Twitter or at Rob the Norman on Instagram. I'm going to warn you right now. It's mostly just my Kickstarter. Everything I'm tweeting, <laughs> yeah. everything I'm both the next is month. Just, yeah, just more Kickstarter stuff. So sure, man, sure, no, um, and it's totally understandable. Everybody gets that. It's fine. It's not a problem. But folks, go check it out. It looks like a lot of fun. Some really cool covers on there as well from Charlie. Um, really nice. And uh, yeah, no, best of luck you luck to you and the team for the rest of the campaign, Rob. Um, you've uh, made it made a really good start. Uh, now, all of that aside, I do have some bad news for you. What? What happened? I mean, it's really bad timing. Oh, I know. No. I know you've just started the Kickstarter, but oh, no. there is an asteroid headed right for us, what? and and yep, straight up, man, and it's going to be hitting right right in the middle of Canada. So you know, Nothing comes to Canada. What do you mean? I d- well, that was their destination. You know, <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, and uh, yeah, no, I'm just you know, you've got oh. until tomorrow. So my my question to you is, what is your action plan for survival? Okay, wow. So what I'm hearing is this asteroid was trying to go to America, got yeah. lost, and ended up in Canada. Yeah. Man. Okay. So first things first, I'm not going to pay into my pension anymore. I'm deciding that right now because I always knew that was kind of a scam, but now it's confirmed. So I'm going to take out all of my money. I don't care about the taxes. Yeah. Number two, I'm going to buy an extra large fridge, big fridge, huge, biggest fridge I can get. And here's the reason why. Number one, I'm going to need food in the apocalypse. Nice. So extra food there. That's great. And then number two for defense, because I was watching indiana jones and i'm pretty sure one time he survived an atomic bomb by hiding mm. in a fridge he did yeah <laughs> or maybe it was a bathtub either way i'm going with the fridge um also too in the apocalypse there's no air conditioning do you want to be hot like there's mutant hordes running around there's gangs people are killing each other in the streets you also want to be sweaty i don't mm-hmm. think so i want to i want to sit in that big fridge and just cool down Fair play, man. Fair play. Um, and is anybody else going to be joining you in the fridge or is it just you? <laughs> well, um, if my wife and kids play their cards right, I will let them <laughs> visit the fridge. They can't stay there because that's mine. They should get their own stuff. But we'll see. We'll see. Excellent, man. Excellent. Well, I tell you what. So whilst, whilst you're spending some uh, well-earned time on your own um you contemplate your uh 
your your comics because you know you literally just launched your Kickstarter. Um, mm. And uh, although you you reached your goal, you know the asteroid has scuppered your your f- future plans. But you start reminiscing on your comics, and the uh, first question that you ask yourself is, "What's the first comic you remember enjoying?" Yeah, the, the first comic I ever got was completely by accident. I, I was in the sixth grade, and there's this guy named Peter Christostomo, who um, he was really into wrestling. He also got me into mm. wrestling when I was in grade six. Cool. And he handed me an issue of Sabretooth number three, and this awesome. is not this is not a popular comic. <laughs> it's a pretty rad cover though <laughs> yeah so if you can see this cover it's it's wolverine who i love from the cartoon and Sabretooth, and they're fighting and if you open up the book um it is all very abstract art so it's all like a kind of abstract expressionist rendering of the panels mm-hmm. and as a kid i had never seen anything like that i'd never seen jackson pollock so looking into this right. book, I was like, oh my gosh, well, Sabretooth, this is a work of art. This is the Mona Lisa. Yeah. And that's, that's what got me into comics. And I, I actually, three or four years ago, I went back to find that book. And I was like, I remember this being the most profound, most beautiful work of art I've ever seen. And then I went back and read it and went, oh, no, this is a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just a standard comic book. Totally. It's it's so funny how like how rose-tinted your glasses are looking oh, back man. at your childhood. Um, yeah, man. No, oh. But you enjoyed it at the time, you know? I mean, I still will have right? a, a very special place in my heart for this book. I will go back nice. and reread it whenever I can. Um, I mean, how can you go wrong? It's Wolverine, it's Sabretooth, it's Mystique. These are all... These are all the best guys. These are the guys that you want to read about. Nice, nice. So obviously that kind of set you on the train for for a lifelong love with uh, with comics. Um, but when did the idea of actually, you know, creating your own comics come into the frame? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, I everything I've done in my life has be, is because of this very dark game I play with myself, mm. and that dark game is it's kind of this podcast in a weird way it's if i were going to die in a year what would be my big regret mm. and and so i did this in 2014 i wanted to write a book about improv that's what i do when i'm not making comics i'm an improviser i tour the world teaching and performing improv and so that little mental game i played allowed me to write this book and um years passed and i came back to my love of comics and graphic novels and and i'd always wanted to produce one and awesome. so just go for it um yeah, man. i mean who doesn't everyone who loves comics want to write or draw comics yeah well yeah I, i'm sure most most kind of do it's, it's it's one thing having the idea it's one thing trying to actually implement it isn't it <laughs> that's true that's very very true <laughs> But yeah, no, and you've pulled it off, man. So well done. Um, and uh, you know, is is there any thought beyond this this title, or um, are you just taking it one step at a time? Oh, like future books? Yeah, yeah. There's a couple books that I would love to make that they're written and they're ready to be produced. But mm-hmm. understanding this industry, like, yeah, you know, working in TV and film in Canada. Um, or right now I work in radio for CBC, which is the equivalent of our BB or 
it's equivalent of your BBC. Yes. Um, yeah, those yeah. are those are really hard industries to get into. They're really yeah. challenging. Yeah. Nothing was as hard as getting into the comics industry. It is so hard. <laughs> it is so it difficult. Is. Yeah. And, and it's because you have so many people who love it so much mm-hmm. that, of course, it's going to be thousands and thousands of people who all want to be in this industry. So um, my first goal was just to make a book. And after that, um, hopefully we can make more. Awesome, man. Awesome. Fingers crossed. Mm. Right. Heading back to the fridge. Mm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. you, you kind of move on from, from that first comic you enjoyed and you start thinking of like the different areas of, of comics. And the first thing that comes to mind is what was the funniest comic that you've ever read? Mm. I don't, do you, oh, this is very interesting for me. Like, would you get all, like is most of the books that you would see in a shop, would they be 2000 AD or would you get every Marvel book, every DC book? Oh yeah, no. Like if you go to uh, actual comic shop, yeah, it's um, yeah, just the usual Marvel, DC, Image, um, some indie stuff, and yeah, sure, there'll be a two two thousand AD section as well. Yeah, I mean, two thousand AD is one of my favorite companies. Every time awesome. I'm in London, oh, yeah. I'm just I'm grabbing so many of those magazines. I love it. Um, magazines, I should say. Um, so <laughs> it's it's very hard to pick what the funniest book is, but I would say this was one of my favorite moments that I could think of when you were asking that, this is like the first thing that popped into my head. There's a book called uh, X-Force, Ecstatics. It's by Peter Milligan and Mike Allred. And Mike Allred is like one of my favorite artists. And the whole book is a kind of satirical book about um, the X-Men, but it's a reality show of a bunch of like entitled celebrities. Mm. And there's a very funny moment where they have this character named El Guapo was like a California skateboarding dude, but he's actually like an analog of Silver Surfer. And he's kind of a douche. He's kind of like, he's got weird powers. He's kind of a joke to begin with. And the, the kind of the camera quote unquote camera kind of goes and you, you hear this noise of El Guapo and someone in the bedroom and the camera kind of pushes in and you see that he's having a domestic disturbance with his skateboard. So it turns out the skateboard is is beating him up and abusing him, which oh I thought God. was really, really funny at the time. Is, yeah. um, side note, though, which is crazy, Allred later did a run with Dan Slott on Silver Surfer, and they right. kind of used the same dynamic. I mean, Silver Surfer's mm. surfboard wasn't abusing him, but they were like bickering back and forth. It became this other character. So it's a really good example of a joke kind of becoming canon. Which I thought was really great. That's awesome. Nice. Oh, rock and roll, man. Um, yeah, no, it's good to kind of like, yeah, have a, have that run running joke, you know, and get it get it referenced every now and again in a mm. series. That's fun, <laughs> man. That's fun. Awesome. Um, cool. And um, so switching gears quite suddenly, you ask yourself, what's the saddest comic or most upsetting moment in a comic that you've read? Why, why are you doing this to me, Sam? I'm, I just, I, know. I just, I just like to switch out. it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm taking you on a roller coaster of emotion. <laughs> they just wiped out Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, Winnipeg, which Winnipeg right, was no man. big difference. But they wiped out all of my country, and now you want to be sad. Okay. So um, our version of 2000 AD, 
in Canada would be a company called Drawn and Quarterly. Do you know this company? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, so they make a bunch of indie books. They make Adrian Tomine's stuff. But there's this book called I Never Liked You. And it's by this Canadian guy mm-hmm. who lives in Toronto named Chester Brown. And it's a very, very sad kind of autobiographical indie comic. I think it's from maybe late 90s, early 2000s. And it's basically about his mm-hmm. childhood. It's, it's incredible. I, it, kind of similar in the same kind of vein as like Seth or Jeffrey Brown's kind of like um, really telling really like unflattering, raw, truthful stories about yourself. Um, this whole book is about Chester growing up in a small town. And for whatever reason, he ends up in the middle of this love triangle with this woman named Skye and then this younger girl named Carrie. This is like when they're in grade nine high school. Mm. And what's so sad about this whole book is the the way the author kind of renders himself. He's like very skinny. He's got very wavy hair. He seems very like very off-putting the entire time and somehow he's like trapped in this love triangle with two very beautiful women who are both obsessed with him but not in like a (laughs) flattering way it's it's sad that he doesn't understand how incredible this is anyways he ends up choosing this woman named sky to be his girlfriend and he doesn't explain to carrie that he's no longer interested in her and so he keeps she keeps following him around panel after panel after panel and there's this crazy scene where she tries to take one of his pens and she's kind of teasing him that she's going to steal his pen. And he goes, no, I, I need that pen. Give it back. And she goes, no, 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 I'm going to take it. And finally grabs it out of her hand. And she just has this like crazy unhinged reaction, screaming that she never liked him. And, and oh, she has to be nice. dragged through the house, out the door, the door shut and locked. And, um, it's, it's one of these moments where you go, oh, this is such a crazy response, but you totally understand exactly mm-hmm. where she's coming from. She's like right. trying to hold on to a piece of her crush. And I think we've all, either we've been there or we understand why someone would do that. So I think mm-hmm. that might be one of the saddest things I've ever read. Yeah, man. And it's it, it's funny how kind of, yeah, so, such a small thing can turn into such a, an emotional, you know, peak, um, particularly in a, in a series like that. But uh, yeah, because yeah, no. I think this is what good writers do too, right? They make battlefields yeah. small things. No, nobody wants to read yes. a book about people talking about their emotions. We, yeah. we want to see those emotions play out in actions or um, interactions. Um, that's that's the, the sign of a very good writer. We're talking about one thing, but we're really showing mm-hmm. another yeah exactly no that's awesome man that's awesome now sorry to do this again to you here rob but uh we're switching gears again what's the scariest comic or most horrifying moment in a comic that you've read i got this for christmas this year my wife gave this to me and i think wow okay this was a christmas present (laughs) okay i I think she was punishing me or something um this guy name name is uh junji ito and he does a lot of manga stuff. And there's this book called uh, Uzumaki. Yeah. And it's basically, I think Uzumaki means spirals. And this yes. is a very hard yeah. book to describe. But it basically starts with a guy who notices a spiral. 
<laughs> so, well, yeah. spirals are everywhere. Whoa, cool. Spirals are in this pasta. Spirals are in this milk. Spirals are in this stream. Look how the water current runs. Oh, there's a lot of spirals everywhere. And that doesn't seem like a scary book, but um, that's why you have to buy this book. You should read this yeah. book immediately. Um, mm-hmm. Every page is terrifying. But there were mm-hmm. literally times when I was reading this book, middle of the day, I had to close it and sit in another room. I was like putting pillows on top of it. Yeah. It is a kind of, it's a story about creeping dread where you discover everything is a spiral. And these spirals have a kind of demonic energy to them. So Uzumaki by Junju uh, Ito's very scary, very scary book. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, Junji Ito is the, is the master of horror in uh, in comics. And uh, yeah, I just... I, I can't imagine what that guy's mind is like inside. Like, I wouldn't want to take a holiday there, basically. Um, it's, it's, it seems like a pretty brutal place. I also wonder if that, like, that's your forte. Like, what is your life yeah. like? Because every time you do an yeah. interview, everyone's yeah, like, yeah. Hey, it's Junji Ito, twisted, warped, psychopath. And you're like, I don't know, I'm yeah, just making right. good stories. No, he's a creep. He's yeah, a and he's like... <laughs> exactly man i don't know it's it's crazy but um ah it's it's amazing that he's brought all of this to the world because it's it's incredible storytelling as well um that he does and keeps you engaged and kind of like because i mean it's it's been said on on this podcast and, and others before that how how difficult horror is in comics yes um because like you know obviously the reader can like just blast through stuff and like building uh-huh. tension can be really difficult but mm-hmm. junji ito does a really good good job of that um still so yeah um, yeah, yeah no, there's no, there's no of, jump scares in a comic book or graphic no. novel it's like i guess you can have exactly. the page flip but it's, yeah it's not yeah, quite it's the, best the same mm-hmm. no yeah yeah no it's a it's a tough one but uh junji ito is probably probably the best <laughs> around um so yeah uh, but no um switching gears again and going in, in a more positive direction mm-hmm. um what's uh what's your favorite cover i mean i think your favorite cover is probably going to be the time when you're 14 or 15 years old you go into mm. the comic shop you save up your money and you can buy whatever you want and the thing that's probably the book that week is probably going to be your favorite cover. For me, mm-hmm. it's Kingdom Come. It's the trade yeah. paperback version of Kingdom Come. It's Alex Ross. And and the reason for that is, I mean, I was um, I was really into art all throughout high school. I actually ended up in university going to art school. And I remember seeing that cover. And it's all the superheroes. It's an oil painting. They're all kind of standing shoulder to shoulder all there. They all look old and like they've been through a war. And I remember seeing that and going, how is this not in a gallery? Like, I remember 15 yeah, right. Rob Norman going, this is a perfect work of art. Why is this not hanging up in the Louvre or something? Yeah. Um, so for me, that is like the pinnacle of a perfect cover. Yeah. No, for sure, man. Um, mm. Yeah, it's a it's a absolutely excellent cover. It's an absolute classic. Um, and again, Alex Ross is one of the one of the best out there um, for this. And uh, yeah, no, absolutely fantastic choice. Um, I'm I'm interested to know what have the other favorite covers been in the past? What are people drawn Mm. to? Is there a cover that people are quoting the most? Um, 
I think Kingdom Come has come up before, um, but it, it honestly, favorite cover wise, it really varies, and you're quite right um, that a lot of people choose a cover that they really that really resonated with them when they were younger, and it kind of just sticks with them. Mm. Um, you know, so it really depends on the age of the guest um, as to what that is. <laughs> um, but you know, and some some people, in fact, actually really like more graphic design style covers as well you know um that are just more simple but effective that Mm -hmm. kind of thing um and it's so personal isn't it and it's not like it's like you know your your favorite child or something like that because like you there are so many great covers out there and it's difficult to obviously pin it down to one but um you know um it's it really is this is the one question where it does really vary um wildly (laughs) yeah it's it's so interesting because covers play such a huge role in a book success Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um just things sitting on the shelf that pop out to people i know even now i know a little bit more about comics than i did before i'm still drawn to covers and even even if i know oh well um you know this this is the kind of book I'm looking for. I, I can find myself, oh, I'm not going to read any Green Lanterns. I'm going to take a break from Green Lanterns. I see a good Green Lantern cover. I'm buying that book. doesn't matter. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. 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 Almost doesn't matter. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's... Uh... It's incredible the effect that it has, and it's like, yeah, everybody says don't don't judge a book by its cover, but it's difficult to do that in in, in comics. <laughs> cool. So yeah, um, the next question that comes up, and again, going in a more positive direction, uh, what comic do you repeatedly read the most? The comic that I would probably read the most would be Transmetropolitan, and I think the reason for that mm-hmm. has a lot to do with the art of it. I feel like um, there's so much happening in every panel that it's very easy for you to go back and find something new every time you read it. Um, Derek Robertson did that. He also did The Boys. Um, I also think about someone like Jeff Darrow who creates these panels that are almost like, where's Waldo? And I think that makes a, a book very rereadable. There are other books mm-hmm. that I really love that I will probably go back to only when it's been long enough that I've forgotten exactly what happens. But Transmet, I could probably read um, any day. Awesome, man. Awesome. And it's nice to have that that title that you can just pick up anytime um, and just go back to it and and know that you'll you'll enjoy it. Um, Really good. Um, Now, moving on from that, um, what's the most meaningful comic to you? I think it's also probably going to be Transmetropolitan. And I think awesome. it has a lot to do with the time when I found that book. Because when you're growing up and you start making your own money and you can really choose what books you're buying, mm-hmm. they become a lot more personal for you. And Transmet yeah. for me felt like it was subversive. It was kind of wrong in a certain kind of way. But also mm-hmm. morally, I agreed with everything that was happening in the book. It got right. to me in, in, a, in a perfect time when comics were exciting and dangerous. And maybe it would be the a book or a story that my parents probably wouldn't approve of. That is an incredible feeling when you're growing up. Mm. Um, 
also stuff like Grant Morrison and Invisibles, but but I would say Transmet kind of started it all. Awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, no, it is incredible when you start to be able to kind of have more autonomy over your, over your life and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, um, explore a lot more. That's uh, that's great that you've got that memory with uh, with Transmet Metropolitan. Uh, yeah, cool. I just I also remember like just that whole that whole time period of of Vertigo and Talk Cow, Wildstorm mm-hmm. too. It just felt like it felt like are we allowed to do this? <laughs> are you allowed to tell these stories? <laughs> yeah, sure. Is the authority yeah. allowed to exist? Is someone going to shut this down soon? <laughs> yeah. Is is isn't somebody going to come in and say you know guys you got to stop this? <laughs> You're making Batman and Superman kiss. Um, uh, you can't do that no we can we can so um, that's my favorite time in comics it was a wild west of of possibilities and risk-taking <laughs> incredible <laughs> that's awesome man that's awesome uh now following on from that what's the most underrated comic so i have during the pandemic, me and my friends started a comic book book club. So each week we will read three mm. issues of something until we get to the 12th issue. And then we will give it a review. And we've made a huge kind of chart of all the books we've read through. Wow. And one of the books that surprised us a lot was this book called Shadow Life. It's from 2021. It's by Hiromi Gatto and it's drawn by Anne Zhu. And it's a Canadian book. Um, the, the author is Canadian. Um, Anne Zhu is, lives in Baltimore. But strangely enough, it's it's a um, a black and white comic about a seventy six year old woman living <laughs> in either Toronto or Vancouver, and just kind of going through her life. Um, she has some difficulties with her daughter, and it's basically her just trying to like survive and find meaning when you're older. And right. um, along the way, um, she encounters some demons. And that's all I'll say about this book. But I, I was so taken aback by how great the storytelling was in this book. It's also like there's there's not many stories that I can think of that are about a 76-year-old woman who doesn't have any superpowers that I would be so riveted by. And, and this was a yeah. book that did a really good job of just making you think like, oh, you're going to be 76 one day. What's that going to be like? And you should be so lucky if you're as funny yeah. and graceful as this old woman. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Great. Um, now, again, following that, um, if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, which would it be? It's a big choice. I feel like there's a lot of judgment picking the wrong book here. So yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with the first book I bought with my own money. And this was issue 25 of Nightwing. I'm only taking 22 pages into the apocalypse, which is wow. risky. That is risky. <laughs> this is this was not a like monumental book. Nothing really happens in it. It's just Nightwing and Robin talking as they run along a train, and just kind of hang out. I think they fight a couple guys along the way, but mostly it's just two dudes hanging out. And I remember getting that book and not realizing that that's what a comic could be. It didn't Mm. have to be a big fight. It didn't have to be a big bad guy. Yeah. Also, like, that book is just such a joyful book. It's so happy. It's about brotherly love. And I don't know if I want 
if I'm stuck in my fridge, I want to <laughs> be dealing with a big gruesome battle. I think I want to remember what it was like before the apocalypse. And so that would be the quickest way for me to get there. That's like my overdose of nostalgia. Nice, man. That's awesome. And then, and then alongside that, what weapon tool or useful item would you like to take with you as well? I've thought about this for a long time. And I think the answer <laughs> is a British accent. And here's the reason why. Fair play. Because I feel like when you have a British accent, you have more authority. People are going to listen to you. They're going mm-hmm. to go, oh, remember 500 years of colonialism? <laughs> remember that authority? It was wrong, but I'm going to, I'm going to trust this fella. Awesome. And then if I'm ever in trouble, like someone's going to kill me, I just go, no, 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 I'm not British. And they'll go, what? And they'll be so confused. <gasps> and then that Twist. moment of disorientation, <laughs> shank him in the gut and get away. So I really think if, if you have a fake British accent, that is the best tool you could have at the end of the world. Nice, man nice i'll take that i'll take that and i'll <laughs> i'll start working on my uh my north american accent and see if i can uh do the same twist <laughs> um as well um but uh yeah no um it, it often deteriorates into i don't know like some weird accent for me <laughs> sometimes. Like, like your attempt to do a north american but, uh, accent it falls apart yeah yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it. I, I tried because I've, I, I have lived in North America, like, um, in different spots. I used to be a snowboard instructor. Um, oh no way! And I, I lived in Vermont, Colorado, uh, in Alberta as well, um, all over really. Um, and I, I've, I've managed to, I managed to pull off a North American accent at a party once. I tried mm-hmm. it, like, just as a laugh. You know, to see if I could get away with it, and I got away with it for a wee while, but then it just did it did deteriorate after a while. Then it's like it's it's obvious. It's like when a British actor um, does their first movie in an American accent, and it's like they they fall into their into their usual accent um, mm-hmm. now and again, and you can you can hear that. But yeah, you know, <laughs> Sam, your listeners are dying to hear you try. Because you've you've oh, told a whole no, story right. about it, it feels unfair that they don't oh, yeah. get to hear even uh, a little bit of it. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow, yeah, no, I don't, I don't know if I could, if I could bring my, bring myself to do it. I mean, I could, I could try. You know, I mean, I so I lived in Vermont, and <gasps> you know, in in Ludlow, um, which is like an hour away from from uh killington if you know Whoa. um that, that's that's that's, that's all i got <laughs> very good it's very good and it's very nasally and it's very like from a very specific yeah. part of american you have like a a rich american yeah. accent which is cool i guess because you're in vermont <gasps> awesome it, yeah exactly exactly it's it's the whole new england thing right um and uh yeah no um that's that, that that's all i got for now <laughs> that's so funny that's so cool <laughs> thanks man thanks uh but you know rob norman thank you so much for sharing your comics with the apocalypse it's been a real pleasure oh my pleasure too this was so fun just hanging out and talking comics you bet man you bet um and for the listeners one more time where can they find you online oh you can find me at that incredible kickstarter for future favors the bold 
Um, or you can find me at Rob the Norman on Twitter and Instagram. Rock and roll, man. Rock and roll. And again, all those links are in the in the show notes, folks. So go go check it out um, and uh, follow Rob on social media. Don't follow him in real life. That's weird. Um, <laughs> but uh, other than that, uh, thanks for listening. And thank you, Rob, for your time today. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, my pleasure, too. Awesome, man. Take it easy, dude. Okay. Ciao. Bye. 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 <laughs> Thanks again to Rob for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Rob's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news another fun sequential art stuff and finally as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the near future i'll see you next time bye for now